0: There is only one. There is only one found worthy. There is only one, Jesus Christ. There is only one, Jesus Christ. there is only one Jesus you are the one and we thank you that you found us and you romanced us and you formed a covenant for us and you married yourself you wed yourself to us so that we are your bride and you have made us your body and because of that we're worthy so Lord God we pray that you would help us to see what you have given us and to worship you in spirit and in truth, we ask that you would help us to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, you had pain in your body too, didn't she? You? you had knee replacement surgery and you've been in constant pain ever since. Yes, I have. Is that your cane? Can I just make the devil mad? She said, it's all right. You know this, Jim? I tell you, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the pain. I rebuke all the swelling. Lord Jesus, from this day forth, let her walk pain-free. Uh-oh, she's going to dance a little bit. She's going to dance. Well, I think it'd be pretty cool to have a healing ministry. I mean, don't you? I mean, imagine, imagine the testimonies. Uh, imagine the validation it would be for the message. Imagine the crowds of, of people. Imagine the effect on the church budget. I mean, the, the, the guy in that video rakes in like millions a year. He, he lives in a mansion, he drives luxury cars. But there are some objections to uh, healing ministry. Some say that a healing ministry invalidates suffering. Some say that it isn't real, that supposed healings are due to like collective effervescence, the energy of the crowd, or the suggestion, uh, the, the hypnotic suggestion of, of the healer. Uh, even if the healer is sincere, and, and definitely if the healer's, you know, like, like a con man. Oh, glory. How long have you been walking on that walk? About three years. Three years? She was at 1627 10th Street. 1627 10th Street? Is that right? That's right. She has arthritis all over. Burning this arthritis right out of your body. Take a few steps just to make the devil mad. Hallelujah. That's it. Just move around a little bit. There she goes. Just walk with me. Oh, glory to God. She's not gonna need that walker anymore. God's just putting new strength, new health, burning that arthritis out of her body. Just keep going, hallelujah. That's the same guy that was in the first video. Peter Peter Popoff Peter Popoff back in nineteen eighty-six, just before he was exposed on late-night TV on The Johnny Carson Show. Investigators picked up radio transmitters from Popov's wife that were being transmitted to receivers in his ear, describing conditions and addresses uh, and and names of people in the audience uh, that they had placed on cards before the service began. That was 1986. 1987, Popoff declared bankruptcy, bankruptcy. Yet, that, yet that first video that you saw was from 2006, 20 years after he was exposed. You see, people put him back in business. That's how desperate we are for somebody to do some healing. And yet, God really does heal. I've seen it. I mean, I I think I told you about this last year sometime, but in college, I went to this healing service run by this kind of crazy lady, I thought, and she said, someone out there has back pain. And I thought, well, I have back pain. And then she said, well, come down front. I came down front. She put my legs up, and one was shorter than the other. I didn't even know that. She prayed for me, and my leg grew out. I mean, it shot out. I thought she grew it too far. It just freaked me out. I jumped up, not knowing what happened. Susan was there. My dad was there. I mean, I know people fake that kind of stuff, but I felt it. It blew my mind. I knew it was God, and, 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 and then, check this out, I remember being angry. I thought, God, I have friends that are crippled, and, and you grow my leg? I didn't even know there was a problem with my leg. And you do it through a lady with terrible theology, and I didn't even have faith that you'd do it. It was about that time that my father fell down the stairs. I remember I ran up to him and he was in so much pain, he couldn't even scream. And I I just called, I said, God, help him! And immediately, he was okay. But no one saw it, other than him and me. There's no way to prove that it actually happened. It did not happen in front of a crowd in church with cameras rolling. Medically speaking, I think the most amazing healing that I've ever been a part of Happened to a friend of mine that I prayed with for years. She had HIV. She was on the meds. We prayed earnestly to God over and over again that he would heal her, and he did. She went in, got a test. It came back negative, zero parts per million. A positive test was something like uh, uh, over 10,000. I mean, the the doctor had never seen a a test like that. She, she, She was healed of HIV. That was 12 years ago now. But I don't exactly know when it happened, which prayer. I don't know why exactly it happened to her. I don't even I don't know how it happened. And you see, that's frustrating. In my experience, Jesus does heal. But often the wrong thing. Like my silly back or stupid leg. The wrong thing in the wrong place at the wrong time in the wrong way. And he definitely does not do it often enough. You know, they've actually done uh, scientific uh, studies on people that have experienced miraculous healing. And researchers have found out that within 80 80 years or so, something like 80 years, 100% of the people that have been healed die. They all die. That means at some point, they're not healed. They weren't healed. All dead. So what does that mean? Maybe we need to make some some changes. Like, Like number one, maybe we need to name it and claim it, you know? or number two maybe we need to believe it even if we don't see it you've heard people say that you're healed you just don't see it and the Bible is pretty clear ask believing that you've already received and certainly in our eternal state in our eternal home we really are completely and totally healed number three maybe we need to work up more faith bigger crowds louder music maybe I need to throw some crutches and stuff around you know something like that number four Maybe we don't have because we don't ask. Scripture says, Scripture says that. I mean, maybe we have to ask. And, and I think God does want us to ask. Number five, maybe we need to, like, you know, we need to do something. Maybe we need to do our part. Maybe if we serve the Lord, we'd be healed by the Lord. Well, anyway, I think it would be really cool if we had a healing ministry. Jesus had a healing ministry. Matthew chapter 8. It starts. He's just preached a sermon on the mount. He comes down from the mount, and he begins his healing ministry. Chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Great crowds. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. In that day, a leper was as good as dead. Like a corpse, they were ritually unclean. And if you touched one, according to Leviticus chapter 5, you were unclean as well. Everywhere a leper went, he or she was required to call out unclean, 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 because it was illegal to come within six feet of a leper, or 150 feet if the wind was blowing. Lepers uh, weren't allowed in the camp, according to scripture. They, They were not allowed in a walled city in Israel, especially Jerusalem or the temple in Jerusalem. Lepers were consigned to outer darkness, where they would weep gnash their teeth to the Jewish mind leprosy wasn't simply a physical problem but a spiritual problem they believed that that disease was connected to sin and this leper approaches Jesus kneels before him and says if if you will if you see he doesn't have faith that he will be healed. He says, if you will. He doesn't have faith in his own will or his own will to have faith. He has faith in Jesus, who is the will of God and the word of God. He doesn't name it and claim it. He doesn't doesn't even ask. He says, if you will. And Jesus says, I will. I want. I want will it's like the point is his will then Jesus touches him that's huge for a leper that's huge emotionally and spiritually uh, psychologically for it's huge for the leper and spiritually it's huge for for us for all of us because according to Leviticus chapter 5 Jesus is now unclean and needs to be cast out outside the city gates, outside the city. And, and yet, if Jesus is made unclean through touch, this leper is made clean through touch, and he is infected with life, with Jesus, he's healed. And Jesus says, tell no one. <laughs> That's just the opposite of what I would do. I would say, tell everyone, take some pictures, put it on the website, pass the offering plate, right now, do it, do it. Jesus tells him. Don't tell anyone. And Jesus does not say you're healed regardless of the evidence, but show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof. In Greek, a marturion, a a martyr, a testimony, a witness. And now this is really weird, but, but the testimony, the witness, isn't really even the healing, but this gift described in Leviticus chapter 14. The leper is required to give um, two birds to the priest outside the city. One bird is killed in an earthen vessel over running water. And then the priest is to take the blood from the bird and smear it on the leper and then release the other bird free into the wild. Then after seven days, the former leper was to bring three lambs to the priest at the temple, each to accomplish a different aspect of atonement. Lamb's blood from the guilt offering would be smeared on the leper. Uh, the sin offering would be roasted on an altar outside the camp, outside the city walls where Christ was crucified, roasted and eaten by the priest. Like the sin was consumed by the priest. And, and then the burnt offering would be totally consumed by fire and a sin to God as a pleasing aroma. Now I know that's just really weird, wild stuff, but I hope that you see the testimony wasn't the healing But this gift, this this idea that lepers are saved from outer darkness by the blood of a lamb. Well, Jesus touches and heals this leper, the epitome of an outcast. Next verse. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him now remember a centurion is a roman military officer and israel is an occupied country the jews were effectively prisoners and centurions were their prison guards it was a centurion that crucified jesus the lamb of god according to luke the centurion's servant is is a slave we know nothing about the slave's faith just that he's loved by this pagan centurion. And centurions were pagan. They had to swear a pagan oath just to become a centurion. Jesus says, I will go and heal him. And yet a good Jew would not even step foot in a Gentile's house for fear of contamination. And Jesus says, I will. I want. I will. Verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have You come under my roof. You see, he knew Jewish law. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And I tell you, many will come from east and west, And sit at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, now go. Let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. It's not even the faith of the guy that's healed. Did you catch that? He marvels at the centurion's faith. Faith is trust, trust in a person, and Jesus is a person. The centurion trusts Jesus, who is the will and word of God. Jesus marvels at his faith, saying, Not even in Israel have I found such faith. There's only one place in all of Scripture where Jesus uh, marvels at someone's faith like this and, 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 and it's in this bloody centurion. And then he makes things so much worse because he goes on uh, to refer to the Jews' greatest hope of all, the Messianic banquet, saying this, Many will come from east and west and sit at table in the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness where men weep and gnash their teeth the sons of the kingdom you know sometimes people will say say to me you don't believe anyone's going to hell and I want to say to him wrong absolutely wrong I'm saying that you may be going to hell you son of the kingdom read what Jesus says and and you will see The people in danger of being cast into outer darkness are the people that are convinced that they will not be cast into outer darkness, but they are content that other people be cast into outer darkness, like lepers and Gentiles. Bible scholar Dale Brumer points out that Jesus didn't preach hell to pagans, or lepers for that matter, but to sons of the kingdom, like us. (laughs) Sons sons scripture says that God disciplines sons so if you won't touch lepers in outer darkness maybe you'll do some time in outer darkness until you have compassion on lepers in outer darkness holy fire is eternal but outer darkness is temporal it serves a purpose And then it comes to an end. God uses it to discipline his sons that they might love as he loves. And he loves the outcast. He loves his enemies. Jesus says so. He is just a hunk, a hunk, a burden, eternal love. Next verse. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him. She didn't serve him, and then he healed her. He healed her, and then she served him. And there's no mention of her even asking to be healed. And so check this out, Jesus' healing ministry. First, Jesus heals a leper. That would be like touching and healing the worst possible social outcast that you could ever imagine. Second, Jesus heals the slave of a centurion. That would be like admiring and healing the worst enemy your worst enemy the worst enemy that you could ever imagine and third Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law that would be like healing your (laughs) mother-in-law nothing personal I'm just saying that I'm not so sure that we really want a healing ministry like that of Jesus's next verse that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, "'Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go.' And Jesus said to him, "'Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, "'but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head.'" And that's weird. Because clearly Jesus had the greatest healing ministry in the history of this world, and he was homeless. He didn't even own a donkey, let alone a Cadillac. And when the crowds arrived, he laughed as if the crowds were just missing the entire point. I'm not so sure we want a healing ministry like that of Jesus. And and I'm not so sure we even want to be healed, because that means admitting we have a disease, like a leper or or a paralytic, as if something was wrong with us, like, uh, like like a Gentile or a slave. You know, every day a devout Jewish male would pray this prayer. I think it's part of the 18 benedictions saying, Thank you, Lord God, for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. In the gospel, scribes and and Pharisees, King Herod may remember this. They all demand a sign From Jesus, which means they haven't seen these signs. And I suppose that's because they wouldn't be caught alone with a leper, a Gentile, a slave, or a feverish woman, or even someone that befriended someone like that. Jesus said they'd see no sign, except for one sign. And for that sign, Jesus would draw a crowd, (laughs) a crowd all chanting in unison. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. You see, I'm not so sure that we really want a healing ministry like that of Jesus. Or that we even want to be healed by Jesus, for he heals lepers, Gentiles, slaves, and women. Now I really hope that you would see something. These healing stories uh, are arranged uh, with, with a purpose, very deliberately by Matthew. Jesus is taking a walk. He's walking into the temple and he's bringing some people with him. He walks through outer darkness outside the city, outside the temple and through the outer wall where the lepers were not allowed to go. And then he walks through the court of the Gentiles and past the dividing wall of hostility where the Gentiles were not allowed to go. And he walks through the court of the women on his way to the Holy of Holy, where only the high priest was allowed to go on the day of atonement. He's healing far more than leprosy, paralysis, and and fever. He's aiming for your heart and the depths of your temple. And he's bringing an entire kingdom with him. He wants to heal your will because your will is not free. You think it's free, but apart from God's grace in Christ Jesus, it's not free. It's enslaved to sin. It's diseased. You don't have faith in love. You don't love love. In other words, you don't want to touch lepers. You don't want to go to your enemy's home with grace. You don't even want to like your mother in law. Sin is a disease of the will. And so you can't just choose to fix it, because it's your chooser that needs fixing. It's diseased, it's paralyzed, it's afflicted with a fever. Sin is a disease of your will, it's a congenital disease. You were born with it. You don't have faith in love. And God is love. He is the holy fire destined to fill the Holy of Holies. And Jesus is taking you there. Did you know that? He is. And He's the way, He's the high priest. His flesh is the curtain that's ripped before the Holy of Holies. He fulfills all the sacrifices. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of this, of this world. So, so, that, so this isn't just about true cool tricks to impress a crowd and get people to buy the Jesus t-shirts. Matthew just told us what this is about, what this is all about, verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took, he took our illnesses. He bore our diseases. So you see when when, when the leper was cleansed, I think that means that Jesus was somehow he was contaminated. Fulfilled the law. He was contaminated. When the paralyzed slave was healed, Jesus somehow became a slave and paralyzed too. The fever left Peter's mother-in-law because Jesus took it. He bore it. Before my friend with HIV was healed, Jesus showed her in a series of visions that her wounds were his wounds. Her scars were his scars. Her HIV, I think it became his HIV. He loves her that much. And why would he do that? He loves her that much, and you see, I think he wants her to see it. It's the way he heals her heart. Isaiah 53 reads like this. Listen closely. He had no form or has no form of comeliness that we should see him. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were we hid our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, or as Matthew translates it, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes, his scars, we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity the sin of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he was led as a lamb to the slaughter when you make his soul an offering for sin so when the leper was cleansed yes a lamb was slain. When the centurion slave was healed, yeah, a lamb was slain. When the fever left, a lamb was slain. When my silly leg grew, a lamb was slain. Whenever I choose anything but love, a lamb is slain. According to Isaiah and the whole New Testament, Jesus is like a sponge that soaks up our sin and darkness and death. All the sin for all of time throughout the world, he he soaks it up. You know sometimes faith healers blame sickness on sin. I don't think they realize how right they are. All sickness is a sign of sin. A sign that we are all dead and dying in sin. And the sooner you read this sign the sooner you can be healed of the sin. And so what's the sin? That we don't want to touch lepers that we don't want to go to our enemy's house with grace, that we don't even love our (laughs) mother-in-law, that we don't trust love. And so who has the greatest sin? Well, certainly not lepers, certainly not paralytics, but the seemingly healthy religious folks that guard the temple and deliver Jesus up for crucifixion. He says so. John chapter 19, verse 11. They think they have no disease in their souls. and then they crucify the doctors, the doctor of of their souls, and choose outer darkness. Well, like I was saying, follow this. Jesus soaks up all of our sin, enters the city, meets the priests at the temple. They take him outside the city and sacrifice him on an altar called a cross. When he dies, the curtain in the temple rips, and within a generation, all the walls come tumbling down. When a lamb was sacrificed, it was received by fire, eternal fire, that came from God and fell upon the altar. Jesus, you see, bears... The sin of the world to destruction in the fire of his very own nature. The relentless eternal fire that is the very love of God. And he does it so that we could all see it. He does it so that we could all see. That's the sign that the religious leaders see. That's the miracle. That there was no miracle. That Jesus, the healer, did not heal himself. That Jesus, the Savior, did not save himself. That God, in human form, chose to bear our iniquity, die in our place. That God is love. Freely chosen, sacrificial love. And when we see him, Our hearts are healed. That's his healing ministry. And it really doesn't remind me that much of the faith healers on TV, but it does kind of remind me of this. What? I have so many scars. I hurt you so badly. Don't hardly remember, ma'am. What's your name? John Coffee, ma'am. Like to drink. Only not spelled the same. Ma'am. Yes, John I see it. I see it. What happened? You be still You be so quiet, and so still. 啊啊啊 <gasps> Take it up. Come on. Cough it out like you done before. Oh, he's choking. he sucked out of her, he's choking on it. That's John Coffey in the movie The Green Mile. His initials are J.C. He's a prisoner on death row for a crime that he did not commit. He heals one of the guards of this nasty infection by touching him and drawing the infection out of the guard. And into himself. Later, the guards sneak him out late one night so he can heal the warden's wife of a brain tumor. She curses him when she first sees him, but then she relents when she sees all of his scars. That was the scene that you just saw. In the end, John Coffey is executed in a room that looks like church. See, the electric chair is right down front where we have a cross The guard he heals must give the order to have him killed. Kind of like the centurion that had Jesus killed. That guard is the very first to believe. He knows that John Coffey took his disease. And that he is now infected with life. I don't think the author of the story meant to portray Jesus as much as someone that really believed in Jesus In the book, John Coffey prays, Jesus, be my strength, be my friend, be with me until the end. The author of The Green Mile is Stephen King. Does that kind of surprise you? I mean, maybe we should marvel and say, not even in church have I found such faith. Well, I was just saying, Jesus' healing ministry seems a little different than the healing ministries I I usually see on TV. I'm not so sure we want his kind of healing ministry. And maybe that's the very thing that needs to be healed. In other words, I'm not so sure we want to love like Jesus. And maybe that's the very thing that so desperately needs to be healed. Sometimes I suspect that I want to heal people so I won't have to hurt for those people, but maybe hurting for those people is the way that I am healed. You you know, if I can't hurt for people, I can't rejoice with people. And I'm trapped. Yeah, I don't have compassion. And if I don't have compassion, I'm trapped in my own passion, within myself, in outer darkness where men weep and gnash their, their teeth. I have a congenital disease. I don't trust love. Well, Matthew records all these healings. And then he writes this. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses. He bore our diseases. This happened to fulfill this. I've often wondered how big is the this? Because you know, you can't heal unless there's something that needs to be healed. Maybe disease happened so we could see God heal. Maybe death happened so we could see God rise from the dead and raise us from the dead. Maybe sin happened so we could see grace. Maybe the fall happened so we could see the love of God and learn to love like God and be made in the very image of God. So you see, there is a very deep purpose for healing. And there is a very deep purpose for the times that we are not healed. Healings do not invalidate suffering. True healing validates all our sufferings. Because it tells us that God can heal and will heal, but for a time, He chooses not to heal. So, not being healed, and we're all not healed of something right now. Or we'd be done, we'd be out of here. But not being healed has a purpose. Suffering is how we learn to love and be loved, and that, my friends, is ultimate healing. In 1873, a Belgian Catholic priest named Joseph Damien was sent to minister to lepers on the Hawaiian island of Malachi. When he arrived, the lepers in the leper colony shunned him. They all shut their doors to him. And he poured out his life for those lepers. He built a, a chapel. He uh, performed a worship service every. Every Sunday, he gave his heart to those lepers, and no one responded. No one. After 12 years, he decided to give up. He made his decision to leave. Dejectedly, he made his way down to the dock where he would meet a boat that would take him back to Belgium. As he stood on the dock, he he wrung his hands in anguish, and then he noticed something. A white spot. And then he noticed like a a numbness in in his hand and immediately he knew what it was. He had leprosy. And so he went back to the colony to continue his work. And within a a few hours he looked out and hundreds of people, lepers, were gathered around his hut. The following Sunday, Father Damien arrived at the chapel to find hundreds of worshippers there to join him. And through him, Christ transformed that colony and even the island of Malachi. He healed their hearts. For they began to believe that God is love and Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And think about it. If Father Damien had been immediately healed or if Father Damien healed He wouldn't have been able to heal those lepers' hearts. Well, Father Damien was not healed of leprosy in this life. Jesus the Christ was not healed of wounds in his hands and his side and his feet in this life. St. Paul wrote that he besought the Lord three times about a thorn in his flesh. Most people think it was blindness, encroaching blindness. Paul, who had healed, he raised people from the dead. He healed so many people, and Paul wrote this. Three times I besought the Lord about this, and three times the Lord informed me. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My power is made perfect in weakness. You see, the power of God... Is perfected in weakness. Do you know whenever you are healed, whether it's the doctor or whatever, it's the power of God, whether it's miraculous, what we call a miracle or the doctor, whatever, whenever you are healed, it's the power of God. But if you pray and you are not healed, rest assured in the knowledge that the power of God is being perfected in you. Like in Father Damien, like in Jesus the Christ like in St. Paul, and it must be perfected in all of us, or we will never leave this outer darkness and enter the Holy of Holies. We'll never learn to love, and God is love. I preached on this passage 11 years ago, and a friend of mine had a vision during the sermon. He saw actors acting out Jesus' life and all his miraculous healings, And he said, then he saw that there was this large crowd watching and they were laughing and applauding as if in a theater. And then he noticed on a hill across the way, uh, Jesus was there and he was being persecuted and crucified in weakness. And then he said, I saw the tabernacle, the first tabernacle. It was made out of rag walls that formed the courts and for a floor, nothing but mud. In the holy of holies was the cross and the manger. And just a handful of people. And he heard the Lord say this. The reason people are not healed or healing. Is because they think it must be accompanied by a visible power. Flashy and entertaining. They think it cannot be as simple as kneeling in the mud. Kissing the baby Jesus. And hugging the cross. I've thought about that a lot and and, and what I think it it tells me is that the healing that matters must happen deep in our souls and in our hearts. It is that we would want to kiss a baby in a food trough. (laughs) That we would want to hug a cross. You know what a cross is? That we would want uh, to be kind to our mother-in-law that we'd want to touch a leper, enter our enemy's home with grace. That we would want to love. That must be the real miracle. That we would love love. That, that, that we would have faith in love. You see, it's literally, check this out. It's literally faith in love that makes you well. Because that's what it is to be well. To have faith in love. To have what the first Adam did not have. Trust in the will of God who is love. That's what it is to be fully healed. To be filled with faith in love. It must be easy for the creator. You know what I mean? It's the creator. It must be easy for the creator to grow a leg. But to heal your heart, make you in his own image. He bears all your sin on a tree and gives up his life, gives you his life so you would trust his heart and so you would be healed. Well, at the sanctuary, I, I hope we have a healing ministry. Because I know after a sermon like this, people are like, what's he saying? Well, I hope we have a, a healing ministry. I mean that. I mean, I hope you want to be healed in every way. And I hope that you want to heal like Jesus. And so I hope that we would pray for each other. More than we have prayed for each other in the past. I mean like at the end of the service, after we're done with the benediction, or like at your house gathering, or when you're just hanging out with with people. I I hope that you pray for for each other, that, that you'd start laying hands on each other. I mean literally touching each other. Touching each other's sorrows and griefs and, and, and wounds and asking God to heal. And so you can ask me for that, and, and I'll pray for you. Ask each other for that, and we'll pray for each other. You, you, whenever we're healed, it's God, and sometimes He does it through what we call a miracle. I want you to pray because God heals bodies. I've seen it. God heals bodies bodies. And if he doesn't heal a body that you pray for, understand he is healing your soul. You're learning to love. from the standpoint of heaven, well think about it. That must be the real miracle. I don't think they were impressed in heaven when Jesus walked on water. I don't think that was the real miracle. It was not when he walked on water, not when he healed a leper, or even when he raised Lazarus from the dead. The, The real miracle was the night that he was betrayed by all of us. And he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it, eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me, my body, my blood for you. The miracle is the heart that chooses to love, that wants to touch lepers, that wants to bless enemies with the grace of God, that wants to kiss the pain in the mother-in-law. You see, once we get that, once we get Jesus, once we get this, we get all things with him. Great skin, perfect bodies, cool head. But if you have great skin, perfect body and a cool head, but you don't have love. You have nothing. But outer darkness. So come to the Holy of Holies. Turn off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. Dark cup is wine. Light cup is juice. Believe God's love for you. And then let it spill out of you. In his name, amen. so, Jesus, you are the Lord of all, and we thank you that you came to the outer darkness where we weep and we gnash our teeth and you touched us, trading your light for our darkness, trading your faith for our faithlessness, trading your hope for our hopelessness, trading your righteousness for our sinfulness, trading yourself, the truth, for our lies, and then you bore all that darkness, death, and destruction to destruction itself. You destroyed the destruction in the glorious light of your Father's love, the eternal and holy fire that will fill all things because of you. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, when I see it, I, I realize that there's something in me that kind of, sort of, in a little way, wants to be like you. And that something is like a seed, it's faith, and that's a gift. And so, Lord God, I thank you for that, and I pray that it would grow. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you bore all the sin of this world upon yourself you bore it to destruction and yet you um you still you still touch lepers through your body which is us lord we're all lepers that you have touched and now you want us to touch others thank you lord jesus for calling us into your service it's in your name we pray amen and so, let me say, I want to be clear about this, I really do want us to pray for each other. We all have things that are broken. Some of them are physical, some of them are emotional. Uh, we all need healing. And so, I hope that you would feel free to say to each other, Hey, just, just would you pray for me? Ask for healing. And, and, and now, this is super important. Don't get weird about it, okay? Okay. Because sometimes we think we have to get weird, and that's how God does stuff or something. But just just ask him. And, and if he doesn't heal something, don't blame that person. Don't blame yourself. Sometimes healing is associated uh, with faith, faith for certain things, and yet that faith is a gift. So there's no need to get all worked up and stressed about it, all right? So this is really my hope, that we would just pray for each other. And uh, in my... Uh, understanding of reality, sometimes God really does miracles. Sometimes he even does revivals where healing will break out for a time in a certain place. And then what happens is people form denominations and then the healing stops. That seems to be the kind of the pattern. So, so let's just uh, trust that our father is good and that he heals. And whether or not he heals our bodies, we know that he's healing our soul. And before long, before you know it, in the blink of an eye, you'll be with him. And everything, everything will be healed, will be done. In the image of God, in Jesus' name, amen.